Hello, and welcome to Root for Each Other, a Branches podcast, where we take a meaningful look at the dynamics of domestic violence and how trauma-informed, inclusive advocacy can make a difference. And the opinions on this podcast are ours and do not necessarily represent the opinion of Branches. everybody to this special series of podcasts from Root for Each Other. We are taking this series to highlight a question that every advocate I know gets asked from time to time, which is why do you do the work that you do? We took a look around our staff. We have 21 full-time staff members at Branches Domestic Violence Shelter. All of them bring a variety of unique experiences and skills and talents to this agency and We just think that they're the best folks to be able to speak to that. So uh, we are starting off this series today with my good friend and colleague, Amber Ross Chapman, who is our Director of Client Services. Thank you so much, Amber. Of course, I'm happy to be here anytime. Even though I hate the sound of my voice, I am happy to be a guest anytime you all want me. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I love the sound of your voice, so. (laughs) (laughs) That makes one of us. (laughs) Yeah, well... (laughs) Obviously, we do get asked all the time, why do we do the work that we do? And I feel like that there is so much that goes into that. I guess I want to start by asking, what was the first thing that drew you to working with domestic violence victims? I feel like there is both, (laughs) like my experience um, with domestic violence and how it actually came into play that I like think about whenever I think about why I'm doing the work. Um, So my um, aunt uh, passed away. She was, um, a victim of domestic violence. And that is something that my mom was very open about. And I have vivid memories of, uh, not how the case played out, so to speak, uh, because that was before I was born. The actual events took place in the eighties, but I remember going with my mom to, um, one of the, uh, trials, um, where they would be talking about releasing my aunt's abuser. And a vivid memory for me is whenever he was released, even though um, my aunt died by domestic violence. So that stood out to me um, as something that like led me to do the work. And I just wanted to make places safer for people. I had no idea you had that experience. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I know that you went into the criminal justice field. Is that true? (laughs) Yes. And in (laughs) fact, that is why I'm like, do I start there? Because um, that's that's kind of how I got at branches. I was pursuing a criminal justice bachelor's degree. And a lot of that at the time at Marshall University was focused on the offender in the criminal justice system and how offenders look, uh, come to be. And there just wasn't much about the people who were being on the other end of the crimes, <laughs> the, the victims. Um, the victims. <laughs> so that was always my point of view in those discussions and in my capstone project, which was like the last project that you do in your, your um, end of your degree. My professor asked what I wanted to focus on and it was victim services. And I was like, Hey, I'm struggling. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where to go with this. So we had a long meeting and at the end of the meeting, she actually presented a job description to me. And she was like, Hey, I know this isn't exactly what you want to be doing, but you should take a look at this. So uh, I really have to give a shout out to uh, Dr. Kim DeTardo Borda for uh, 
putting put me in this direction. Uh, yeah, thank goodness for her. We would be lost without you. What a what a miracle worker that is. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I look back at that job description, I love branches. <laughs> it did not read as, oh, you will be an advocate working and doing the work that I'm doing today. But I do think at that time, it covered a lot of the work that a lot of people look over when they think about advocacy services and all of the work it really takes to run a shelter, which is what I ended up doing. I ended up doing midnights in the shelter. But a lot of that work is, you know, cleaning a room so someone can safely and comfortably inhabit it, you know, cleaning an office space so people can come in and do intakes and things like that. So um, it was very to the point. And at the time I was like, man, I don't know about this, but like, look where we are. So I'm so grateful for that point in time. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. I think though, that speaks to just a larger issue. We're always trying to figure out how people perceive advocacy and what they think domestic violence advocacy is versus what it actually can be. I used to say that if you're working in direct service in the front office, it's the most like hurry up and wait job that ever was. Because there'll be times when you're doing that mundane stuff, when you're getting a room ready for a client. And then there'll be times that you are literally holding somebody's hand while they're crying. Like all those things are true. Every, all of the above is true. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's everything. Like I honestly did not know how much um, of a piece of donations that was important to the job. It, it, It is, it is remarkable to see how much our community helps us helps our survivors putting that into play. Uh, But also just the physical work of like bringing all of that in. It's like, oh, this is beautiful. But also I have to put all of these things in the places they go (laughs) and find the people that they need to go to. It's it's beautiful. But it was like, man, this is literally putting that work into place that I had never thought of. Yeah, 100%. It is true work. And I think people sometimes forget that. I think just another example of why this series can be so profound for folks, because we have advocates that are doing all manner of activities to make the shelter work, to make sure that victims are being served. And uh, I think you have a unique perspective about that. So I know that you started out uh, in the midnight position. That's true, right? Yes, true. Now here you are, our director of client services, having done literally every job, it feels like. (laughs) It feels like sometimes people will ask me, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, um, <laughs> I do. Little of this, little of that. Um, a lot of emails, but uh, the time that I spend with survivors is just—it's—it's uh, it's hard to put into words. But this is what I wanted to do. So thank the Lord that <laughs> I got to do this. <laughs> that leads me like just right into something that I've been dying to ask you. I can't wait to hear your opinion about this. Um, have you had any experiences over the years that changed the way you thought? about domestic violence or the way that you uh, do things maybe? Yes. All the time, every day. (laughs) Uh, And that's another reason why when people ask about like, what what do you do or how would you define domestic violence? I know they think it's a simple answer, but Mm -hmm. to me, it's not. It's so, so complex. Um, I think whenever I went into the work, like I said, I would think about my family, how domestic violence has impacted my mom and my grandmother specifically. Um, so I was seeing like how it affects more than just that primary victim, so to speak. But also, it's like I sought out my aunt and the people that I was serving. Mm-hmm. And I was guilty of thinking, 
what if this is my, what would, if this was like my aunt, this person could be like my aunt. Um, and the reality is there might be people who are like my aunt. Uh, there are people who are probably unlike my aunt, <laughs> but whenever you get in this headspace of like thinking what a victim should be and how they should present, that's kind of where you start off on the wrong foot and you got to reground yourself. Um, so I, I don't want to shine like a light on quote, a bad victim, because I think that's what we want to get away from. But when there are people who are not as sympathetic as others, it really just makes me want to like take them and, you know, teach people about them. Like this Mm -hmm. is what we do. Sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes someone is not nice to you and that's what trauma does. Um, and you should learn about it. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I have been thinking a lot lately about the victims I've worked with in my lifetime that don't know or have the language to say I've experienced trauma and this is the way I'm behaving because of it. Mm -hmm. Like we just have to know that this is the way that they're behaving because they have a background of trauma. That is something you learn as an advocate. And that's something that I learned as an advocate, I should say. I had to move away from, wanting people to be grateful for what I'm doing and people are grateful. People do come back and they, they say, you know, thank you for any part that you had in this, but learning that sometimes people might not look back fondly on the time that they had to receive domestic violence services is natural. And, you know, it's, it's a part of life and getting to speak with people who have survived experiences of domestic violence is so powerful. And it keeps me doing this work as well. A hundred percent. I could not agree with you more. <laughs> so I think that's something that you like particularly bring to the table as an advocate. I, I was thinking about the things that I would say about Amber when I talked to Amber. I think that you have mm-hmm. such an understanding of low barrier services, maybe better than anyone I know. And um, how do you think that that affects your advocacy? I hope it makes me better. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> Spoiler. It does. <laughs> Thank you. I hope that's what we're getting at. It turned out this is actually just to make me feel better about myself. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, getting into what barriers are with each specific person is so important. I had just, we've, we've talked about this specifically. We mentioned it on a recent podcast um, about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, but I had never known the barrier with getting identifying documents. And that's just like, bare bones, like where you start out with someone. So there is a large piece of asking systems or agencies, why do you require this? And do you understand the nature of domestic violence or where we're coming from? So a lot of people actually don't know what these barriers are, (laughs) is what I'm finding out. So in the best way possible to build relationships and partnerships and more services for people explaining how these barriers interact with getting someone's safety or even getting them to the next point in their life. If safety is not that one immediately has been difficult. And I appreciate you saying that I have an understanding of that because that is what I try to do whenever I meet one-on-one with people is say, Hey, what has prevented you from doing a B or C that you want to do? And let's knock those down immediately. I love that you have adopted that approach. I think that's so important. And I really like that you specifically mentioned identifying documents, because one of the things that I would like to use this series to highlight is that domestic violence just looks different across all spectrums. It doesn't 
we think that we have a very clear idea of what domestic violence is. And the, the longer that I'm in this work, the more I realize that we don't. We, something could be categorized as domestic violence that we don't necessarily think of. And I think that restricting or taking away identifying documents is something that you would never see that on, you know, on a TV show, maybe <laughs> mm -hmm. but, uh, like depicting domestic violence, but it is a huge part of the work that you do is like discovering that a lot of folks don't have access to those things anymore. Quite a few people, the, the response is, well, it's just easy to go and apply for these things. Whenever, yes, whenever you sit down with someone, filling out an application is probably one of the easier things that you can do once you find out, you know, their their reading level, how comfortable they are. Autonomy is important whenever sitting down with someone and doing paperwork, also making sure they understand. But again, you Judging from those list of things, it's not as easy as people make it sound. <laughs> no, it's not. So <laughs> whenever I'm working with like someone else or an agency and they're just like, just fill out the paperwork. It's like, hey, so let me send you a whole novel on why this is not easy. And I please just want you to work with me. <laughs> but yeah. I, I get it. I, I, I guess identity theft is a real thing. But if this person can't just get their birth certificate, they can't get their social security card. Where do we go from there? So um, an it is endless loop of barriers. Yes. Yes. Endless loop that like I, I get coming to, to someone who maybe isn't in the work every day. They're just like just fill out the paper. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's not always yeah. that easy. It is not always that easy. And I do think that that is reflective of um, maybe some agencies that don't have to be as mindful as trauma as we do all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a person that I think, I think that all public services should be mindful of trauma because it's out there. <laughs> but, um, but we really have to focus on it and be aware of it all the time. So mm -hmm. we're, we're always constantly working within those parameters. The other thing that I think makes you incredibly unique as an advocate is that you have an impeccable follow through. I've, I've never met anyone that just follows through the way that you do. If, if you say you're going to do something, man, it is done in seconds. And um, what do you think? Uh, why do you think that's important? I think that I am often met with people who have been let down. Mm. Um, they don't see specific things that they want point into put put into action. Um, so I think providing and delivering on what you say that you're going to do, even if the next week it becomes something that is irrelevant to the the goal, is really important. Um, we always talk about not promising things that you can't deliver, giving people that type of follow through is really important. I think it builds stability. It builds rapport. Um, and it lets people know if anything, um, that you're there whenever they do figure it out, you know, because it's the survivor knows best. And if this week they want to apply for a birth certificate and next week <laughs> they have their birth certificate, they found it, the plan changes, being able to say, well, okay, I got this application. So what next? Like, let's put it to the side. What do we do? Follow through is really important. Um, and delivering whenever you say you're going to do something is really important. As is obvious by my uh, comments, I think you're a fantastic advocate and I really appreciate you and I love working with you. I, I guess maybe I would just like one final thing to talk about. What keeps you in this work? Uh, I guess I have to go back to um, a phone call that my grandma gave me. Um, whenever I was graduating, <laughs> she couldn't attend my graduation, 
But she gave me a call and she just said, hey, I'm proud to know you. And I wish that we had known about these services when we needed them. And she, she said we to mean her and my aunt. So I just think about that. Uh, try to do the best work possible and try to contribute to keeping the services here in any way possible. Even if it's not me in the future, I want people to always be able to access services and get the help that they need, the help that they want and have a place where they feel safe. Me too, Amber. Me too. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for sharing with me today, Amber. I um, at the end of the day, I think that we're we're doing good work, and I and I appreciate this opportunity for our listeners to connect with you and to be able to hear all of the great things that you're doing. I hope all of you go out today and root for each other. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this very special episode of Root for Each Other. We are Branches Domestic Violence Shelter and we've been serving the communities of Cabell, Wayne, Lincoln, Mason, and Putnam counties for 41 years. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please call the Branches Hotline 24-7 at 304-529-2382. And hey, Sarah, guess what? What? Branches is proud to serve all. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Thanks, everybody. Go out and root for each other.